Today, that's not the case. I have a lot of scripture, and uh, I'm going to pick and choose from it, take pieces of it. I'm not going to read all of it, <clears throat> but it's the Word of God. It's the forever settled Word of God. Recently, I've been, I've been reflecting on the last chapters in the New Testament in the way of Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, where Jesus spoke his last words after a three-and-a-half-year ministry to the believers that he was leaving behind and he was about to ascend. I don't believe any word was casual in his speaking, and it was very directive, and there, it points at two specific areas. Go and wait for the promise of the Father. Go and wait. You're going to receive the Holy Ghost in Jerusalem. Now, this is an appointment in time in the history of mankind. This is an appointed moment. And his directive there is, go there and wait for the promise of the Father. Go and teach all nations and baptize them in the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I think those words are some of the most important words spoken to mankind in the history of mankind. Because of the juncture of where it took place, okay? And so with that as a model, I want to read to you out of Joel chapter 2. The Lord began to... Uh, kind of reminisce with me about something I taught a while back, which I, I didn't realize how far back it was, but when I went and looked at the notes that I had used, it was 2017. That was almost five years ago, well, almost six years ago. I've never taught about it since. I'm teaching it today. But from a, from a dimension that I did not have before when I taught it. Joel chapter 2, at verse 25. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. Now, you understand, he's reflecting over the years that the canker worm, the palmer worth, everything was eroding. He sent them among, among them, his people, with purpose and to some degree a, a judgment but now he says there's going to be a turn. There's going to be a reversal. And I'm going to begin to restore all that which was eaten away. And you you will praise the name of the Lord God that hath dealt wondrously with you. Say, thank you, Lord, for all that you do, for the decreases. For the increases, you've dealt wondrously with me, and my people shall never be ashamed. Verse 27, and you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. Verse 28. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. 
your young men shall see visions. And we don't talk about this a lot. But he included and incorporated in these few words a promise and a statement that you shall. There will be those of you that shall dream dreams and shall see visions. Now, there's times when we as men, women, and children have dreams and wake up from those dreams as though that was not a reality. It was just thoughts that I had during the night, okay? And for the most part, we dismiss what takes place during the time we went to sleep and the time we got up. I, I, I had a, you know, I had a dream last night. Well, what was it? Well, I was eating Captain Crunch at the, you know, at the breakfast table and, uh, and the milk spilled and, you know, and so because there are times when we do have thoughts through the night, but what I'm talking about are the things that God said would take place. And not, not that they would just take place, but at this junction in the history of mankind, at the time when he would pour out of his spirit upon all flesh, old men would dream dreams. Young men would see visions. And upon the servants and upon handmaidens, in those days will I pour out my spirit. That's a prophet in the Old Testament speaking. And recorded here in the writing in Joel chapter 2. So we read a lot of things that are, you know, written by Old Testament prophets and things that were spoke out. And, and we give a little attention to it here and there. And we, <clears throat> we hear the voice of the Lord through it. And we use it as guidance in our lives. But then we see just before the Lord left, he points to a moment in time that is so significant because it is the birth of the church. The outpouring of his spirit, the washing away of the sins of mankind as they obey the gospel of Christ. And then he comes back and he tells, now we'll, we'll, we'll read it here, Acts chapter 2 at verse 1. So now we move into the New Testament. It was, well, because now this is after the death of the testator. The testator was the writer, the incorporator of this New Testament and the Old Testament, this is the man Christ Jesus, and he spoke this out in Matthew, Mark, and in Luke, pointing to this moment. So this is the fulfillment of what was said there. Go back, take time, and read them. Read those last chapters of the Gospels. Pay attention to the fact that these were his last chosen and spoken words before his ascension. Now, he's coming back, but he's coming back in another dimension. So this is a very significant point in time, and so none of these words are casual. Acts 2 at 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. It sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, move down to verse 12. They were all amazed. Now, this, this was noised abroad. There were those that came, began to inquire, ask questions. And uh, this is what we're reading about. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Yea, men of Judea, 
and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem. Be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, this is a, a, a holy unction uh, given to Peter. This is an inspiration of the spirit that he has just been filled with. And I believe it was the Holy Ghost that reached back in a moment and brought the revelation and the understanding of what was taking place as he spoke out and said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So he goes and he reiterates, he repeats what the prophet Joel said. In the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And on my on servants and handmaids, I'll pour out my spirit in that day. And so he's saying it was told then. It's happening now. And so the significance of what Joel said and what Peter is now repeating under the unction of the Holy Ghost brings all the more significance to the words that are being uttered. I'm going to give a couple of examples in Scripture. I don't know how, but I missed what, I, what book this is even from. But God spoke to Abimelech in a dream. Let me read this to you. This might be in Genesis. Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and sojour, sojourned in Gerar. Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she's my sister, and Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But verse 3 reveals, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said unto him, Behold, thou art but a dead man. For the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. Jump down to verse 5, if you're following. Said he, Abraham, uh, not to me, she's my, hold on. Verse 6, and God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thine heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. Okay. Again, I'm going to pull from these scriptures because I've got 13 pages. I'm not going to read them all. Genesis 28 and two, arise, go to Padanaram, to the, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. This is to Jacob. And that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and was gone to Padanaram. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. He lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. He took of the stones of that place and set them for his pillows, and he laid down that place to sleep, and he dreamed. Behold, a ladder set up to the earth, and top reached unto heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and of God, and the God of Isaac. The land wherein thou liest to thee, I will give it thee and to thy seed. So, Jacob lays down and he goes to sleep. He's having a dream. In the dream, there's a ladder and the angels ascending and descending. And then he looks and the Lord is standing at the top of the ladder in the dream. And God says to him, he makes him a promise in a dream. 
Wait a minute now. It was just a dream I had last night. I woke up. I shook myself. I headed into the day, went to work like I normally go. Man, that was weird. Jacob is given a promise that will affect the earth. God's blessing in the earth. And he spoke this to him in a dream. Now listen to me. I know I'm opening a can of worms here. Let me advise you. When you have a dream that you feel like is of some significance, first of all, you ask, may I share this with you? Did you catch that word? Ask. May I share my dream I had with you? If the shepherd says no, leave it alone, let it go, go on with your life, okay? If he says, sure, and you tell the dream, don't give the 20-minute version, <laughs> give the two-minute version, and watch for the signals, all right? Because if at the end of that dream, he says to you, Okay, thank you. And never mentions it again. Let it go. Go on with your life. Walk away. Don't try to persuade or convince. All right. Or Texas. All right these structural components of oversight and shepherding, they protect me from being drawn away, led away, because you'll have dreams. You'll have a dream you move to California. You'll go down and buy a ticket. You'll pack your bag. I, I'm, it was a long dream. I could tell you the details. It was in color. You know, a man called me one night and said, I had three dreams last night. He said, let me correct that. I had the same dream three times last night. Now, this just wasn't anybody. This is one of our teachers, Brother Mel Berglund. Okay, I'm listening. See, he and I had had one of those three-hour cup of coffees, and there were some things that we dialogued about. I went home. It was the next day that he texted me and told me I've had three dreams last night. And then he shared, I had the same dream three times, and it was about an individual. Now, there was a witness in the Holy Ghost to me, and I asked him, can I share this text with him? Sure. It, to me, it was, it was specific direction for the man. It wasn't something the Lord talked to me about. It was a dream that he gave to somebody three times that brought significance to me to hear and to just simply deliver. Now, I do not know the purpose. I don't know why that at this particular time I'm feeling drawn to rehearse these scriptures with you without getting myself into trouble. When the Lord pointed out to me the significance of this word first being spoken by Joel, then being spoken by Peter at Pentecost, Either somebody, either somebody the Lord is trying to speak to and you're pushing back, or he's getting ready to speak to you of some significant matter in your life, and he's trying to help you to affirm to receive of him and be led of him. But again, 
we have a safety course. We go to the elder. We go to the shepherd. We share the things because God will bring a witness of his spirit upon the oversight in significant matters, relocation matters. I don't know what other, what other matters, okay? I only know this is a significant portion of the word, but we have in history... To some degree, we have, we have mocked or made fun of dreams. Trying to dispel that for the now. All these individuals, the Lord spoke to them in dreams. I'm skipping over a bunch of these because we don't have time. You know that God spoke to Joseph in a dream. Uh, let me read this to you. This is uh, Genesis chapter 28 at verse 20. Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God be will be with me I, uh, and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. And the... Oh, okay, sorry. Skipping over to another one. Genesis chapter 31. Why don't you go there with me? At verse 11, Genesis 31, 11. And the angel of the Lord, and the angel of God spake unto me in a dream. Now we have a messenger an angel of the Lord speaking to Jacob in a dream, saying, Jacob, I've said, here am I. He lift up, or he said, lift up now thine eyes and see all the rams. I'm not going to read all through it. I'm only wanting you to see in the word of God. There are numerous, numerous times where God uses visions and dreams to speak to people. I want to dispel the idea that we can make mockery of a, a pizza dream. Something I ate last night, something I did, and now I'm having dreams. Because God said to us, to mankind, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and you're going to begin to dream. You're going to begin to have visions. And it's going to be for my purpose, the purpose of my kingdom, the advancement of my kingdom in the earth. And we are at a critical hour. We are at a junction in time. Yes, yes. We have got to have a sensitivity and availability and a faith and a belief in God. The Lord will never give you a dream that is in opposition of the direction of your oversight. Okay? Now. Baker and the butler had dreams. Pharaoh had a dream. Joseph interpreted the dreams. Gideon. Gideon had dreams. Behold, I dreamed a dream, he said. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled down. God was trying to show him, I'm giving you victory in the battle. You, you may see your small number. You may see your insignificant situation. But listen to me. I'm trying to reveal to you in this dream. I've given you the victory. Now, Solomon. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. Job, listen to this, Job 33 and 12. This is NLT, by the way, this verse. 
But you are wrong, and I will show you why. For God is greater than any human being. So why are you bringing a charge against him? Why, why say he does not respond to people's complaints? For God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. He speaks in dreams and in visions of the night. He makes them, verse 17, he makes them turn from doing wrong. Muse over that for a little bit. Wise men had dreams. They were warned of God in a dream. Pilate's wife, when the man Christ Jesus was brought before them, said, I had a dream. I've suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. He was, she was trying to bring out a warning of the direction that he was taking. Again, that didn't come from the devil. That didn't come from something she ate. God was breathing on the situation for his purposes, his reasons alone. Now, I want to go to Acts chapter 9 at verse 10. A lot of the things that we have been reading have been recordings in the Old Testament, these encounters. This is New Testament all the way into Acts 9. Whatever the timeline is from there, having already poured out the Holy Ghost. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. To him said the Lord in a vision. Now think about this. There was a lot of persecution that had been taking place. This man, Saul of Tarsus, he wasn't just imprisoning people. He was having them killed. People of this way, believers, spirit-filled believers, praying spirit-filled believers. There was great persecution upon the church during this time. See, we have lived in a life so far removed from that. Not knowing what's ahead. Not knowing what's ahead. The Lord speaks to him in a vision, a night vision. That would be a dream. Arise and go into the street, which is called straight. He could have said, look, go down there on Lincoln Avenue. About 16th, turn left. Go to a house. It's blue. It's got green shutters. Seahawks. House of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. In this vision... In this dream, he is being so specific, he could say, go at 1035. He's giving specifics and says, Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. Next verse. And has seen, and Saul, who is praying, he has a vision. He has seen in a vision a man named I gave him a name named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. He visits a certain disciple and speaks to him in a dream, a night vision. Does that mean Ananias, you know, he looks at his clock. It's 11 o'clock for you late people. And he's, you know, I'm going to bed. It's late. Like any other night. And he thinks, no, he knows. 
he has a dream. And in the dream, the Lord says to go visit this guy, Saul, and lay hands on him because I gave him a dream too. And I told him, you're coming. How do you wake up from that and say, whoa, I need coffee. Now, see, a wise Ananias in our day, he called the shepherd and said, I just woke up from the strangest dream. You know that guy that's been in town everybody's hearing about? He's persecuting the church. He's locking them up. He's hauling them back to Jerusalem. He's got letters to haul them back and imprison them. He has killed some. I, in this dream I had, I think the Lord was telling me to go pray for him. Aren't you glad your elder prays? I mean, my mind goes to work. I could imagine any number of responses. What? You gotta be kidding. What did you eat last night? Are there men that carnal? You better believe they are. But the Lord doesn't play games with us. And so he found the resolve that it was God, even though it was a dream. And he walks out of his house and he goes down to the street called Straight. And knocks on the door. He knocks on the door of a man that has had people like him killed, slaughtered. He prays for him. He receives his sight. He baptizes him in the name of Jesus Christ. What are you talking to us about? You know, in Acts 12, when Peter was in prison, the church was praying. The authorities had already killed John. And they arrested Peter and said, after the holiday, we'll, we're going to take him out. But while he's sleeping, he's not dreaming. He's just sleeping. And an angel came into the prison cell, told him to get up, get his shoes on. And the two of them went out through the corridors of this inner prison. Then it says, Peter, he couldn't tell whether he was in a vision or if this was reality. Sometimes they can be that close. God, give us the spiritual sensitivity to know and to hear and be directed of you, whether we know, whether it's in a dream, whether it's in a vision, whether it is reality itself. And I can't tell, but this serves, you know. See, I don't know what's ahead, do you? We know that changing times are ahead. We've experienced enough in the last two years. The first year, we, we really resisted it and rejected it. This is, this is all going to blow over. But yet such change has come to our times. What's ahead? I don't know. All I know is I felt the pressing of the Lord to go back and to review these scriptures in our hearing and resurrect the idea 
that God does use visions and dreams. See, a mess, an angel is a messenger. He can just send a messenger. Hey, send, you know, hey, you use the name. Just go uh, talk to Lewis. Talk to Brother Lewis there and tell him this. Angel could, you know, go. <laughs> Most of the time, they just like guys in black suits coming in. <laughs> and tell him. But why, I, I, only the wisdom of God knows why at times... He'll send a man. He'll send a Philip out to the desert. He'll send Peter to Cornelius' house. And uh, there's times when he talks to people in visions and dreams. There was a man that was talking to me about his effort to win the Muslim community in another country. And he said, the most effective thing that can happen to turn the heart and mind of a Muslim is miracles and dreams. And we don't have anything to do with that. And so the hand of God, or, or yes, the hand of God is reaching into the lives of individuals all around us. Now, he has to intersect us with them. If, it's, if, it, if we are the chosen to bring the redemptive message, the message doesn't differ. I should have brought that video up. I mentioned to you. When I was in uh, Italy with the Guzmans a couple weeks ago, he was sharing with me a, an encounter he had. Uh, they have recorded and have published uh, the Bible being read in Italian by spirit-filled believers. The whole Bible. And it's the people of their congregations. And so they have pr uh, produced a lot of material. There's just a lot that's out there. And he got an email one day from a man that was a couple of hours away in the city of Geneva. And he said, my name is such and such. He said, I am a Jesuit priest. And I'm in trouble. He said, I have seen it in the scripture. And I need you to baptize me in the name of Jesus Christ. They make the arrangements and put him on a train. It's a two-hour ride. He's, not, he's a young man. In his 30s, maybe. And so they have, he showed me the video of him testifying of him receiving the oneness of God. You, you see, the redemptive message is only one. And it's the same. And what, what Paul was revealed, not by men, but from God, was the same message that the apostles preached and Peter on the day of Pentecost. It's the same message that the Jesuit priest in Geneva, Italy, received from the Lord. And so what do you suppose happened when he went down in the waters of baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? He came out of the water speaking in tongues because he received the Holy Ghost, just like you and Selah. It's the same around the world. Nobody needs another version. Nobody needs another approach. The word is true. It speaks for itself. The Spirit of God draws men from all walks of life. Why don't you stand? Could we pray? Wait on the Lord here. It's in you that we live and move and have our being, Lord. It is in you that we live and move and have our being.
In the name of Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. This, uh, this does not beg for an altar call. don't feel to give any more disclaimers than what I've already gave. The Lord wants his word to speak to us directly in this matter. It's a conversation that's been started. Okay. It will continue for you, but it's a conversation that has been started. This is between you and him. Amen. I'd like you to be seated for just a moment. It's still quite early. I receive this word today. The, there were several things that were just leaping out at me as Bishop was reading through these scriptures. And I want to be careful. I don't want to just I he referenced Joseph having dreams, but because he was trying to move through, he skipped over that. We know Joseph's dreams. He dreamed twice. First he dreamed about the sheaves bowing to him. Then he dreamt about the sun, the moon, and the stars bowing to him. He was talking about taking those dreams to oversight. You know, Joseph went to his father and his mother with the dream. And it was interesting to me. It says of Jacob, which he had read about, who had a dream about a ladder. If you read about that, after he rose, he said, surely the Lord was in this place, and I didn't know it. And he poured oil on a rock at Bethel. Then he read the scripture where he was with Laban about the cattle, and he had a dream. And the Lord said, I'm the God where you anointed the rock at Bethel. He pointed him back to that place. So Jacob was familiar with dreams, as we know. And then his son came to him, said, Dad, I had a couple dreams. The scripture says, it's interesting to me, if we're not careful, we can, I'm afraid I could misinterpret it. The Bible says his father rebuked him. Now you can say, man, he must not have agreed, must not have thought it was from God. That's not what the scripture says. Jacob, or Joseph had to be in right relationship with Jacob in order for Jacob to be able to do that and him not dismiss and go, oh, well, I just didn't hear from God. I don't know. My dad rebuked me over it. Because we know the rest of the story, we understand the rebuke was not a disagreement or finding fault or telling him he didn't hurt. There's no indication he told him he didn't hear from God. I just have to believe the rebuke was instructing him in wisdom about sharing that with everybody because he'd shared it with all his brothers, and that probably wasn't wise. I think that's what his father rebuked him about because the very next line in Scripture says, and his father observed the thing. The saying, thank you.
I say that because Bishop referenced several times bringing dreams to oversight. Um, Joseph. Dreams of significance. Of significance, yes. Joseph did. Yeah. Don't, amen. <laughs> Joseph could have just been like, wow, my dad rebuked me over my dream. Okay. Um, I think that's critical understanding. He also, again, these are, again, these were things that leapt out at me. Um, he referenced Gideon. The Lord sent a dream to Gideon's enemies. He read the scripture, but he, right, they said, we saw this wheel of barley. Gideon didn't dream that dream. The enemy dreamt it. Gideon had went down at night to check things out. And he heard his enemy sharing their dream. You want to talk about what's powerful? The enemy interpreted the dream too. Because the other one that was hearing the enemy tell the dream said, that's none other than the sword of Gideon. This is significant to us. This is significant to us. Now, here's the thing. We, we make comments about, you know, the pizza you ate or that burrito before you went to bed or what have you, right? I'm going to tell you what you engage in through the course of your day and where you let your mind and your spirit go right before you go to bed effects you understand we're not going okay i'm pursuing dreams now no the lord will bring them that's not what bishops tell. he's still we need to be aware we need to expect we should recognize the significance of the hour and the, the declaration of the word of god but if you're somebody that streams television into your home and you fall asleep watching hollywood that's probably going to clutter your mind and you understand There's something about how do you posture yourself before you go to sleep? There really, really is. We get up and we understand the priority. We've taught a lot about getting up and starting our day in prayer. I don't know that we often give time to ending our day and what we do at the close of our day. You know that in the tabernacle, they offered incense in the morning and in the evening. There was a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice. And so how you and I posture ourselves in relationship to God at the close of our day. And I think oftentimes if we're not careful in the evening, we're like, man, I've had a full day. I'm just going to relax. And we start taking junk in thinking I'm just chilling. Is that okay to use that word? <laughs> I'm not trying to be cool. You just know that, Right. I'm just chilling out here. But what you're doing is you're entertaining all of these thoughts. And do you think for a moment that the adversary stops working in your thoughts just because you're asleep? I can't remember who it was some time ago. They talked about the subconscious and how unaware we can be because we just assume when we go to sleep, there's no spiritual activity. Well, nothing can be further from the truth as we have heard declared from the word this morning. So I think it's vital that when we, you can stand again, I'm done. I don't want you to think I was going to go another 20 minutes. I think it's vital how we, clothe our mind and our spirit and what we allow in before we go to sleep. Amen. Praise God.
Praise God. I guess you're old if you dream dreams. You're young if you have visions. <laughs> Everybody's like, I didn't have a dream, Pastor. I had a, I had a vision. <laughs> Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. We receive your word today. We receive your word in faith and in agreement. We seek not after dreams or visions. We seek after you, but we posture ourselves for the way that we have heard from your word that you would speak to us. We acknowledge your word as truth. We acknowledge the timing of it. Oh, God, we embrace your word and say, do according to it in each of us as you choose. Oh, let us push aside the things of this world that would interfere in any way with the clarity of your voice in our lives in the means that you choose. We thank you. We praise you. And we worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. Last thing, if you have a dream or vision, I find there's value in writing it down. There's been times that's happened to me, and I've written it and sent it to Bishop. I find when I'm writing it, it saves embellishment or filling in gaps. It's just what I write. And then there's value, too, because I can go back to it later and remember if, if it was from the Lord. I remember, man, this was the date. I remember writing this down, and here it is. And this is, so I'd encourage you to write it down. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Bishop, for the word of the Lord today. Thank you. God bless you. Greet someone.